are hitting audio cues over here. <laughs> They're trying to anyways, me and me and John over here running the ship. Um, that's music is uh, another episode of the Rec Poker podcast. And as I said, I'm not Jim Reed <laughs> tonight. Um, it's me, Ben Enslow. I'm a member of the wrecking crew over here on Rec Poker. And uh, they let me host tonight. Let's go. Um, happy to be here. Um, I'm BJM96 on Twitch and East Coast Bitter in the home game. We got to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. They've been a sponsor of ours for a long time. They help keep the lights on around here. So we definitely got to thank them. And uh, yeah, so I mean, we couldn't do it without the Wrecking Crew. Like I say, I've, I'm a part of the group over there. And like I mentioned, me and John holding down the fort here tonight. How are we, John? Doing all right. <laughs> Had to get my unmutes going there. There we I'm go, yeah. John Somsky, also known as Poker Geek and Man Everywhere. So we don't have a guest tonight, but um, we are going to um, paste in an episode of uh, Rec Poker's Empowerment Group. That's run by Kim Kilroy. Um, something that you can get involved in if you're a member over here. Um, Laura is a professional skydiver and she was, she talks a little bit about her world record skydive and some other cool stuff. I won't ruin the interview. I'll let you guys listen to it. Uh, we'll catch you guys on the other side. We're going to paste it in. Um, and then for everyone who's listening live, we'll get into some home game results after that. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a short little, little episode for everybody who's live on YouTube. We're live here every Monday night at 730 Eastern time, the only time zone that matters. So We'll jump into that interview and we'll see you guys here in a few. All right. Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm really excited to have uh, the 2021 WSOP Ladies Champion here with me today, Laura Eisenberg. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much. Um, let me tell you a bit about Laura. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's she's a radiologist. Um, she lives in Maryland with her wife of four years. Um, she uh, was a billiards competitor in college. Started skydiving in 1993 and uh, was both recreational and competitive for for quite some time until about four years ago. Uh, she started her gaming career in PC gaming. And uh, started playing poker in the moneymaker era, like quite a few of us did, I think. Um, she started out online and also playing some charity tournaments and some quick trips to Atlantic City, I think. Yeah. And uh, she um, studies with uh, Jonathan Van Fleet, who's also known as Ape Styles online. Uh, and... Her first big score, I checked her on, out on Hen and Mob, pretty impressive, over 350K. <laughs> um, and her first uh, big score was in 2014 at the Golden Nugget for 34,000. She won a circuit ring event in 2019, and then she won her bracelet last October, which was super exciting yeah. uh, in the ladies' event. So um, anything I left out there? Anything you want to fill in? For me, oh, I mean, that's a pretty exciting past you have. You look <laughs> for the excitement in life, I think. Yeah, it's, I like to compete. I like to have a competitive thing to do. And um, so it's just kind of evolved what that is over time. So, but uh, poker, you can certainly do all the way, hopefully forever. As long right. So let's talk about that. your skydiving because that's super interesting. And sure. If you, and I think you know one of our wrecking crew members, Eric. I do. Uh, our Eric Binkley. Um, I wanted to ask you, that's not his last name, is it? Is that his last name? It's not his real last name. No. Mm -hmm. we know no, but Eric Binkley. is amazing. Yeah, he was yeah. Yeah. one of the best in the world. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. I wanted to ask you about the women in skydiving. Like, how does it compare the ratio of women to men in skydiving? Is it similar to poker or is there? Yeah, you know, it's funny because, I mean, all the three things that I've competed in the most, you know, billiards in college, then skydiving, and then poker. I mean, it's probably progressively fewer women in each, I would say. Like pool, it's like hard to know. Like, do you count it? Like if you're like I played on pool leagues and stuff like that, like around town in Milwaukee uh, and things. I was actually the first woman on a men's pool league. 
Sorry about that. I was the first uh, woman on a men's pool league in uh, Milwaukee, actually. Um, so that was a uh, that was a thing, which was received with uh, mixed re- reviews at the time uh, by some of our opposing teams. But um, but and then in skydiving, it's when I was first in it, it was something like maybe fifteen ish percent of skydivers were women. Um, I think it's probably still similar, although it's, I think it's going up a bit with time. Um, and then, you know, poker, as you know, I mean, if just going to the regular casino, there's a lot more women. Um, but I mean, at the WSOP, I mean, especially like in the main event, it's like 2%. I mean, it's just so low. It's and certain just- events, it seems, <laughs> yeah, certain events, like when I played in a six max, you know, when you get into some of like the higher buy-in events in particular, this is like no women. Like I barely, I probably saw three women in the six max event when I played it a couple of years ago. There's just not not there yeah well i noticed when i started out in the bar leagues there was it was almost half women there was a lot of women in the bar leagues playing so it women are definitely interested in poker Mm -hmm. it's like what can we do to get them to the next level to feel competitive in the game you know like to feel that they can go out and and compete like what do you think the main stumbling blocks are against having more women in the game you know i think that there are some things that are going to be very difficult to overcome, you know, and I think one being just the time commitment involved in being a tournament player. You know, I think if you go to a casino and you look at who's playing cash, you know, like if I go to Maryland Live, there's definitely more women probably, although we have quite a few tournament players at Maryland Live, but um, to be able to go and play cash for a few hours, like to have that much free time, if you're, you know, I'm not a mom. Um, but I can only imagine, like, if you have responsibilities with kids, and they, it still tends to be that that falls much more to the woman, you know, right. even as enlightened as we all are in, right. you know, this day and age, it's still more often for a woman to be able to go and say, yeah, I'm going and playing a four-day, you know, WPT event, like, you know, are you arranging childcare? Are you doing all those other things? It's a lot to, a lot of ducks to get in a row. That's to go true. And, I, I think that's probably is one of the things. What about mm-hmm. getting the younger women in more into poker? Like, and then older women like myself who are retired and my children mm-hmm. are grown up. So, you know, I'd like to do something to sort of encourage those women. Um, totally. And I think those demographics, like the young, young women that haven't, don't have as many commitments. Um, and then women that who's, especially whose kids are out of the house who have more free time and probably more free money. Cause I think that's the thing with the younger folks is, you know, to go and drop 1500 bucks on an event when you're 20, like I couldn't have done it, you know, Um, the young guys doing it all the time. Yeah. And (laughs) if it's whether it's a matter of people playing online or just being better about getting back. But like, I know for me, part of the thing was like, I had encountered poker, you know, like it isn't like it partly dates back to like when you're a teenager, like I've never been a teenage male, but it seems that guys get together and to hang out and they're drinking and maybe they're playing cards or doing whatever. Like, that's not a thing with women that I was hanging out with anyway. We didn't get together and like play, you know, nobody played poker. I literally had never played a hand of poker ever when I decided to start playing poker. You know, I was a PC gamer and watching the news and a commercial came on for like poker stars. And I said, you're shitting me. People can play poker for money on the internet. How is that even allowed? Like, how is that a thing? And I was like, I'm not going to sit here playing first person shooter games in my basement when I can play money cards for money, you know, play a game for money. So, you you know, I picked up books and started reading and learning how to do it. But it wasn't something that, you know, I wasn't encountered it. I hadn't, uh, it wasn't part of my genre at all, you know, and I think that just like pool you know, women aren't as exposed to it. And so you just don't get like, you don't find the gems in um, pool because there's just not as many women playing it. Right. So it's almost like you need to, it's like, you can't even say it, but like encouraging teenage women to play poker. That's probably not what people are wanting. (laughs) Parents are wanting to hear, but that's, you know, that would be ideal. That would you be know? ideal. Yeah. You know, uh, to have it be a social game for it has to be younger cool girls. for women as well as cool for guys, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah, and cachet is exactly that. You know, there's a lot of this, you know, I don't go to a WPT event and you know, there's the scantily clad, 
you know, WPT ladies that are there with the prizes and stuff like that. There's not like the Chippendales men, you know, they're waiting to give stuff out to the women. It's just that whole cachet of the baller guy with the yeah. the stick. So that's, I think that's that fading out. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's fading out for sure. Um, you've always competed right from the get go against men. So you're probably fairly comfortable with it. Um, have you run into any instances in your poker career where you were <clears throat> uncomfortable, where men made you uncomfortable, or a tar- do you think may have targeted you as a woman? I think I have been treated differently as a woman. Like I don't get upset by people getting upset at me too much, mm-hmm. you know. But I have had people have very significant reactions at times, you know, that I think they wouldn't have the same reaction if it were a man, which doesn't mean that they wouldn't have a bad reaction to men. It's just a different reaction to me. You know, like I remember being in a tournament with a guy who started getting really upset that I was raising his big blind and, you know, and like yelling at me, are you going to raise my big blind every time? And I like, it hadn't even, I hadn't thought about him individually at all until that moment, you know, except like, I think he was the big blind when I was the button probably. So it's like, Probably, yeah. If it folds to me, I'm probably going to raise your big blind like every time, you know. And he said, you know, you next time you raise my big blind, I'm shoving all in. And we were 50 big blinds deep. And he said, and I will be shoving all in every time you raise my big blind going forward. And he did. He actually did. So, you know, I like raised, folded like three times and then like called him off with ace 10 offsuit or something and like lost a flip. But, you know, it, that level of just like, I am not going to sit here and be pushed around. Like, I think if a guy was raising his big blind, he would just, he might be pissed. He might make a snide comment, but would he go that far? Maybe, you know, I don't know, but you see people go, go bananas. (laughs) He would expect it in different ways. He would expect it from a man to raise his big blind. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes people are perceived differently, but I find that more often, I think guys who are reasonable, I think, look at women who are playing poker as pro, potentially, probably not as aggressive. I think the baseline assumption, a woman sits down at the table, your guy, it's an unknown woman, probably not as aggressive. Like that would be my baseline assumption. She may not be as aggressive. Is she as comfortable? But that she may in fact be slightly more competent than average because she's willing to sit down at a, say a WSOP event, you know, that, and, and she seems to be okay with it, you know, that she may be more comfortable than the average person who knows that's, but that's I would, a really good point <laughs> yeah i mean i vastly prefer somebody to underestimate me at the table for sure like i would much i would love i love coming in and having somebody think that i'm going to be on all people assume you're going to be tighter on average as well which is mm-hmm. great you know and if they don't know you at all you get away with bluffs and like in the beginning for sure especially if you've been a little bit card dead you know then you can just just bluff away and people just absolutely fold. Right. So, but that's. So, uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, bracelet win from start to finish. How did your tournament go? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, day, like day one just was sort of, I felt pretty just relaxed, you know, like it was the vibe with the women was so great, you know, and that was different to me. It's like people were, trying hard and playing well, you know, and like we were focused, but it wasn't like people, you know, were like out for blood and had the hoodie on and the glasses and wanted to stuff it down your throat. You know, it just felt like a more relaxed, fun environment. And I enjoyed that a lot. Um, And so it felt like just a relaxed, fun, you know, day. And I knew for myself also, you know, I played the millionaire maker already. This was the next. And if I busted the ladies, I think there was one more like, double stack or something I was going to be able to play in the week. So it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be the last tournament either, which was good. And, you know, the day just kind of rolled along up and down and won a few, you know, pops and just kind of, it was sort of a, it wasn't like a, it was one of those days where you actually sort of steadily build uh, more or less. Right. And uh, so that was any good. Big, it wasn't any huge flipping or anything like that. Just a steady. Yeah. No. And I felt I had a pretty good table. And so that, um, you know, felt fine. And then I think it was that day, like I went to dinner with a friend and we like went to this Indian joint off, 
off strip and ended up like getting being late coming back, you know, and you're like parking in the back of the Rio and we're like running in and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, we missed like the first hand or two coming back from uh, dinner break, which worked out great for my friend because she sat down and uh, having missed a couple hands and sat down to aces and got her whole stack in and doubled up like, right away. So who knows what would have happened sure. with her first couple hands. Maybe she would have lost some chips. So that worked out good. And then, um, and then day two was uh, like, I don't know. I don't it, I think I got blur. short at one point. And yeah, just kind of a blur. But um ended up going out to dinner with Ape Styles and uh Jamie and uh, some other folks that night, which was fun. And then uh and then day three was super short because we came back and we had I don't know how many we had, like twenty-seven and we were playing down to five. And um you know, we met up at like noon or one and we were like done by 5 30 and going to dinner like it just happened like really fast you know so it was like i think the bubble had burst already for sure at that point yeah because we were like 27 mm -hmm. or 30 left or something like that and um i didn't even know the thing was going to be streamed until you know we got down to the final table at 10 and then it's like oh we you know we're playing down to five and um and then people were like yeah it's going to be a you know it's going to be streamed tomorrow i was like really you know, and uh, it was like, geez, okay, better, you know, tell your friends. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, but that's, you know, then, um, you know, I'd been playing with um, some of the, obviously the same people that I was going to be playing with the next day. Um, and so, you know, had a decent idea of their game by that point, but I had a couple of friends from BBZ that um, one guy ran ICM Sims overnight for me and uh, we sat in the morning for 90 minutes going over just all these different uh, scenarios and, you know, what, you know, what you should be doing in ICM and uh, these different spots with the stacks as they are to start with at least. And um, yeah, just kind of talking over spots in general. And then my other friend from BBZ, Pat, who's been my friend forever, um, you know, we just kind of did a, like you would in football, like kind of go through, you know, the game plan of like your first five plays as you're seeing them, you know? And so it's like kind of the first orbit of the table, you know, what are you going to do if, you know, you get shoved on after you do this and the other thing we talked about these things and it was kind of fun because like one of the first things that we talked about was um you know these short stack reshove situations and um and that's why it was a really interesting hand that came up very first hand when we sat down you know we like got your mic on and you got all this stuff and it's i hadn't been to, in a televised table situation and uh it folds to me and there's only five of us and i'm on the button with pocket eights and so i make a 2.1 or 2.2 raise or something like that. And JJ Lou, who's in the small blind, we both have 24 bigs and the biggest stack is the big blind. So number one, I'm not opening super light into the big stack, you know, mm -hmm. obviously. And, uh, and she three bets me to like less than three X my raise and does it very quickly. And, um, it was really that, that those two things there were really alerting the speed of her three bet and then the size of her three bet um, and the big stack folded. And it's just like first hand of a final table, like does she like less than three X three bet me with a pair worse than eights? You know, does she do that with ace king? No. Ace queen? No, she shoves, shoves it all in, you know, I'm like, I don't think I can possibly beat anything, you know, and I'm sitting and as I was thinking, she started flipping a chip, you know, just like really casually, like flipping this chip very relaxed while she was staring at me. I was like, I just folded and uh, just comfortable with it, like whatever she had. I mean, if she turned out she had ace king and playing it weird, whatever. And she had aces first hand. And yeah, and you don't know, like, you know, you just you don't get any feedback until you go on your first break. And uh, so like an hour afterwards, you find out that like, oh, yeah, the big stack's raising like every hand. And she's had ace queen, ace queen, ace king, you know, pocket tens, you know, and you're like, OK, good to know. All right. Yeah. But it's like mo most of us don't get into that spot very often. Right. Those final table spots where the yep. big ICM jumps. So we don't have a lot of practice. So it's um, awesome that you have a group that came together for you to help you sort of it was so nice through yeah. it and prepare for it. Right. Yeah. And that's a lot of what we do, the work that we do in BBZ, um, you know, every week, a lot of it's centered around ICM stuff, you know, because that's, as you're saying, nobody is just playing hundreds and hundreds of final tables, you know, but it's like all of a sudden you're in this situation where this is where it really matters. You know, yeah. this is where making mistakes 
in ICM is are enormous mistakes, you know, that can be for huge money, you know? Right. And, um, and so that's where it's like, you really do need, and that's where the edges are too, because people just make, just make huge spewy mistakes right. in the money. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, my friend who won the millionaire maker back in 2019, he was like this short stack coming to the final table and people just basically got swords out and just like stabbed themselves in the chest in front of him while he just sat there and <laughs> watched it happen and just, you know, Picked watched people implode around him. Yeah. He just, you know, he just sat there and like people like the, the second biggest stack, just like got his whole stack in like against this guy and lost and like they, they, these totally unnecessary spots. And you're just like, wow, just crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. So as intense as all of that is, it's also so much fun and such a high to be at that final table oh and it'd be the whole televised yeah. thing and everything so big huge congrats for that oh thanks uh, thanks I'm sure we'd all like to be there someday in your shoes it was um, really lucky yeah I have gonna open this up right now to my other guests here to see if anybody has any questions for you sure okay I do hi I'm <laughs> hey. Elizabeth and I'm from Toronto a friend of Kim Stewart and Jim Hall on here Nice to meet you. You too. Uh, and to read about you. But in talking about the ICM, I'm just wondering for women who, um, you know, find them at themselves at a final table, whether it be a small or a big event, is there any general tips that you can provide to our female players out there and players in general? Yeah, I think the biggest mistakes that you see are people don't realize like how tight you need to open. Um, it's radically different. And also people like follow push fold charts. And when you're an ICM, that stuff is completely wrong. You know, like you shouldn't be right. looking at a push fold chart, period. Um, and ICM starts way sooner than people think it does. Um, you know, there's charts that kind of really look at when ICM begins to build and it's when half the field's gone, even sooner. Um, and so it's, like nobody really wants to look at it because it's just depressing like how much you have to just like tighten up, you know, and it's like not fun, you know, to play that way. But, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, like somebody in my shoes opening the button in those situations with 24 big blinds, you know, if in chip EV, I should be opening 50% or 55% even, you know, and what I have to be opening there is like 25%, you know, or maybe 30%. Um, and so, you know, you just have to be much, much tighter. Um, and then also realizing that one of the big things that happens in ICM is um, if you're the big stack, it's fine to get into post-flop situations because you have this big advantage and you get to put all kinds of pressure on people um, if, you're, if there's enough of a stack difference between you. But, um, you know, if you aren't, you really kind of want to avoid getting into a post-flop situation for the most part, especially with a big stack. Um, you know, because there's just all of these awful situations that can then come up. So you're just much more likely to three bet, you know, or get all in um, pre-flop in certain situations to avoid the post-flop game tree and spots. So it's hard to like make that as a general statement, you know, because there's obviously many, mm -hmm. many different exceptions right. to how that comes up. But, um, you know, I think those are big things, but also just realizing that unlike in chip EV, when you fold, it's not zero EV to you it's plus EV, significantly plus EV to let people collide, you know, and you have to be very, very patient and you're getting paid to sit there and just to remember that, you know, and so, you know, thing, mistakes that I've made is feeling like, oof, you know, like I've got 24 big blinds, I'm, I'm looking for a spot to get it all in. It's like, you don't need to be looking for a spot to get it all in. If, if the appropriate spot presents itself, fine, get all in, but you can actually, you can play poker with very, you know, short amounts of chips you shouldn't just bleed out and like not play any hand mm -hmm. at all and just like blind out of the tournament but um you know you can be you know carefully still opening uh hands and playing a little bit close flop and trying to carefully build your stack and being patient um so you know those are kind of just generalities but there's a lot of stuff that's out there and it, you don't have to you know be on a site with you know as as much high level content like a BBZ site, you know, there's lots of different sites that have good ICM fundamentals uh, to learn um, to learn from as well. Where are you playing? Interesting. Thank days? you. Yeah. Oh, sure. 
Where are you playing poker these days? Uh, so I play mainly on ACR. Okay. Yeah. Um, so online. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and so yeah, I haven't been since the World Series. I haven't played live at all because like Omicron came up and um, and that was it. So I, there's times that there's they are playing and our casino is running lots of tournament series and they're very attended. It's <laughs> just not by me. I mean, I'm boosted and vaccinated and everything like that, but this is going to die down soon. And I'm hoping to get back to live poker um, maybe in March, April timeframe. And I'll definitely be out for the world series in the summer for sure. You know, unless there's another next pandemic, God forbid. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, I think online is great. You know, I think, you know, bots and things like that and, you know, other things that are threatening of the integrity of the game are issues, you know, but large live field tournaments. I mean, there's just so much just complete nuttery going on that, you know, that it's not like everybody's sitting there with a bot because they wouldn't be playing as right. they are. So, yeah. you know, and I just, I think of online as a home gym, you know, it's, I want to be able to get the reps in and build the skills, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I much prefer live poker. Right. And how much of your time is spent in playing versus studying? Um, I study probably 12 hours a week, I would say, on average. Um, and so I'm playing on the weeks that I I, I work every other week. Um, and the weeks that I'm off, if I'm not on vacation, I try to, in general to play two days a week. Um, you know, so they're, they're long days. Then when I play, they're probably 12 hour days. You know, so it's, I guess, an average, it's probably a 50-50 mix on but uh, probably a little more study than play. Right. And any uh, any aspirations to go pro on poker? Uh, well, I am. I have been declaring myself a professional last year, but that doesn't mean I'm quitting my day job. Um, but I am filing as a professional and declaring myself as a professional. So for the time put in, I'm actually putting in about an equal amount of time uh, into poker and my regular job. So it's legit. Oh, excellent. That's a, that's amazing. Congrats Thanks. on that. Yeah, go ahead, Stuart. Hi, Laura. I'm Stuart hey. uh, from middle of nowhere in Ontario. Nice. Um, my question is, what was more exciting or more nerve-wracking, uh, making the final table in the WSOP or the big skydiving jump you did over Thailand in 2006? Um, probably the skydiving. Yeah, I've done it once. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, winning the bracelet is amazing. And it was just, there. I feel very proud of both accomplishments, but um, there's just a lot of kind of chaos and stuff that goes on, like in the 400 way skydive, mm -hmm. like the most dangerous part of it is exiting a C-130 with 80 people, you know, because you've got four rows of people and the the plane can only slow down so much. So it's still going like 150, 160 miles an hour. And you're going out the back in rows of four and then hitting this jet stream of stuff. And there's just like kind of a chaos of bodies everywhere. One guy got like a shoulder fracture dislocation. Another guy broke a pelvis. It's just like there's a lot that can go on outside of just like, oh, the excitement of of breaking a world record so yeah i was always leaving the back of the plane like balled up with my hands in front of my face like that until i got clear of people and then diving down at the thing so and did you uh, have to all get together and hold hands halfway down or yeah yeah there's a video of it if you search for uh world team skydive thailand it was an udon pani but uh yeah so we had five c-130s information so 80 skydivers per plane plus video guys um, obviously there were a whole bunch of video guys and, um, and so you, for, it was a three week event. So you have, there's all this t time spent practicing, getting the hundred, the central hundred people together reliably before you start putting in all the people on the outsides. Um, and then, uh, and then we did, I think it was the 13th try, um, that we did it. So you just have these rows of people all coming off. You have a hundred people in the center and then these kind of weed whacker rows of people coming off of the thing. So we put stripes on the back of our helmet. So you knew which row everybody was in. So you didn't accidentally get in cut in front of somebody wow. who's in row two while you're in row three and that kind of stuff. And then it's so big. It's actually the largest object that's ever been over the earth because it was so wide by the time the whole thing was built. So, so I'm told. Um, that excludes alien ships, but, uh, 
<laughs> we had to break the thing off at like 7,500 feet or 8,000 feet, which is really high. And then we would, like I was leading a group of people that we would fly like, you know, like birds, like in a V. So you just have people all going, because you don't want people just flying every which way. So you have people like leading people uh, going uh, in, certain, in a certain direction and then spreading out far away. So we were like tracking, um, you know, I'm going like horizontally, like 60 miles an hour horizontally flying. And I, my group was always going right over the town of Udon Thani, which is a town of like 100,000 people. So I'm like going over like hospitals and hotels. People are like sunning themselves by the pool and all this stuff. And then we were like opening at like 2,000 feet. And then you're suddenly having to try to find a place to land in the middle of the city. You know, and it was different every time, which was so that was kind of crazy. So like some we were oftentimes we were landing like in the backyard of a school. And like one time I landed in a driving range. And uh, so it was just it was crazy, you know, but there's so a lot the of final, adrenaline. Yeah, <laughs> so the final table was a breeze then. <laughs> the final table wasn't so nerve wracking. But, um, right. you know, I you know, it was funny. Like I've been pretty nervous in certain events in, in uh, poker before, but I felt I felt oddly calm with the women's event because my big goal, my next big goal had just been to make the final table of a major tournament. And it really hadn't been like, oh, win a bracelet or that kind of thing. Cause it's so hard. Like you can't set your sights on something like that. Cause it's going to be so random that it either happens or it doesn't. That that's just kind of a goofy goal to have. It's like a neat thing to wish for, but you can't make it a goal. Cause it's just, there's too many random variables. But I, so I really felt like going into it, like, I can't lose. Like I've already done what I wanted to do, which was just to be here. I'm just, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to, you know, I've never, who knows? I'll probably, I may never be at another stream table for all I know. Like I'm going to enjoy every freaking minute of this thing. And my main thing was, I just didn't want to look really stupid, you know? So I didn't want to do something like just like abominably stupid, at least in the first 30 minutes. And I figured if at least if I got that far and be like, all right, so um, what's know, on your really, poker poker bucket list now? It's really kind of more of the same. You know, it's funny. I've never cashed the main event and I've played like, I think four or five main events now. Um, and I've made day three, like late day three, a couple of times. Um, but it, I just haven't cashed it. So that's, you know, that would be nice. Um, but, you know, yeah, I'd like to final table another major you know, tournament of some What kind. about travel? Do you want to travel to play at all? You know, or it's, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to probably like make a point to like go to Barcelona just for a W, you know, EPT kind of thing. It'd be fun, but I like, I liked being in Barcelona just to be in Barcelona anyway, but um, to, you know, to do something like that would be really fun. I mean, I, I went and played uh, the circuit event in uh, New Orleans and that was just a ball to be somewhere great because, you know, I mean, Vegas is nice, but when I busted out of a tournament in that circuit event, I was stoked, you know, cause like, I'm going to go get great food. I'm going to go like walk around and like check out the city. And you're just like, you know, it felt, I liked that about it. So I got to get down to Florida too, where you are. So my friend is down there and it sounds like those tournaments are crazy and yeah. great. Yeah, we just played two circuit events. We went to Calgary, and then we went, uh, Elizabeth and I are down here in Florida. And it's quite different, the Canadian WSOPC stop to the American in Florida one. It's a completely different vibe and a different style of play. And it was really interesting. I imagine the Canadians are just better on average, I would I would assume, <laughs> from playing online. What, right? I mean... Yeah, there's are... less wildness, like... You yeah, know, right. With, not as much nuttiness. Less limping, too. Right. Yeah. So it's probably just more generally good play, I would, <laughs> if I had to guess. But what about like the Niagara Falls place? Isn't that supposed to be like an amazing WPT stop? I've, that I've kind of wanted to do. Elizabeth too. doesn't like it. I, I like it because mm. I've done well no. there. But um, mm. it's difficult to play the satellites. They don't run it very well for that. It's fine if mm -hmm. you just buy if you're just buying into the events. Plus there's only three events. There's a 1K, a 2500 and then a a 5K. So it's not uh -huh. like there's a big series for all kinds of things to, to do. If you yeah. come to Canada, you have to go to playground. That's what I've heard right. in Montreal. Yes, absolutely. Well, that would when, be fun. Maybe when it comes summer. back there, maybe WPT will come back there. Um 
because they used to come regularly. Uh, That'd be great. Vulgar road trip, just saying. (laughs) Did you have anything you'd like to ask Laura, uh, Jim? I got all my good questions in on the podcast. Uh, this is all this follow up. Um, I see. I mean, I'm game. always I'm always curious to know, um, like what you have a kind of a unique place in the poker world now. You've got some notoriety. Um, <laughs> you're you're equal parts insider and outsider. I think, like the way you've described it as well, I think that's mm-hmm. pretty fair. Um, what in in the general sense, like what does this is something I ask many of our guests on the podcast. What does the poker world need to do better? What does the poker community need to do better that we're not doing right now? How can we make uh, uh, the poker world a better place? Whatever that means to you. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's an interesting question because I think, like, uh, my my instant answer would be like, have less rake, right? I mean, or you know, make the you know make the buy-ins, you know less you know whatever but that's not you know that kind of stuff's not practical um but you know i think as far as it would be nice to see i do feel like women are really untapped market you know and like what we all want is there to be bigger you know bigger pools bigger prize pools which means more people playing the game so i think it would be great to to think of ways to get women more interested and more involved you know and it sounds like you know having Things like you're doing here, um, you know, where people can talk and um, hear about ways that people are involved and ways that they can be involved and see, you know, whether coaches and role models and folks like that to kind of, you know, set their sights on. I think that that's helpful because it seems like, you know, the me- the male market is probably relatively well developed, you know, as far as guys that are going to get into it. The more we see, the more people see on TV and the more excitement it generates, you know, the better. But I do think that what attracts men to poker is going to be different than what attracts women to poker too, you know? And, um, and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't develop both. Like there can still be like the blingy baller side that attracts, you know, like a young guy, you know, like that's okay. That's not, it doesn't mean that that has to be bad. It just means that there also needs to be a side of it that is attractive to women, you know, too. And, you know, but, um, I think, you know, I think that's the main thing. I don't feel like I've been treated poorly, you know, in general in the game, you know, like guys running floors and stuff like that have been super nice, you know, to me and most players have been very nice to me, even guys that kind of have a reputation for not always being the nicest <laughs> been pretty nice to me, um, you know, and so whatever that's, you know, whether that's just like not getting in their space and getting involved in that, you know, I just don't take any of that stuff personally, you know? I mean, I started out training in surgery and, you know, you don't have any room to have a, you know, thin skin because you're just going to get eaten. Um, but, uh, you know. That's good. We're, so we're we're all trying to figure out ways to get more women into the game, especially at the lo- sort of like local level and to the sort of lower buy-ins and come out and try some live poker and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So we're, we're working on that, some of those initiatives now. So, but you're a great role model uh, okay. and we need you or me or Elizabeth at the final table of the uh, main event. I think that'd be <laughs> Yeah, I mean that would be it's such a dream, you know. Yes. It's, but I mean the just the variance you have to overcome to get to any final table is so huge, you know. And there's just right. It's just never a completely smooth, you know, thing. I mean, I was all in a couple times, you know, right. before getting to the end. It wasn't like every other minute, but you know, I sucked out a couple times. You know, I had a, even at the when we got down to the final, I think. I think it was at the final table of 10 that I got it all in with fours against Ace King and held up, you know, that flip goes the other way and don't have a story. You know, I have a, you know, little cash story just like, you know, happens almost all the time. So the ducks all have to line up. I do have one question just based on that. Um, Have you ever gone really deep in a tournament uh, without laying a bad beat on someone or a suck out on someone? Because I never have. I've just, I've never gotten a, a, a long way through an MTT without getting lucky at one point in. I'm always curious to find out if that's, if I'm just a luck box or if that's the case for it. No, I mean, I'm sure I, just because of sheer volume of playing online, probably, you know, right. but 
Um, you know, I mean, I've had it both ways. I think that to me, what's really great about playing online, and that's why I think it's, I think online is a great way for women to get involved as well, you know, in that you can get reps in and you can do stuff without, you know, without as much of a time commitment and you can play sit and goes and do things like that. Like that's where I encourage people to, you know, play, like I'll, I'll play sit and goes, you know, with MTT strategy, you know, just to get reps and, and practice on those things. But the volume, putting in volume online just starts, you just get numb to the, the bad beats and the suck outs after a while, you know, to the point, like I, I look back on times in my poker career that I'm not proud of my behavior, you know, and, you know, like where maybe I've busted out and somebody had like some down hand, you know, and I'll and said like, you know, no, nice hand or whatever. And like walked away because I was pissed, you know, and like you look back at those times, you're like, it was not a nice thing to act that way. And I feel like a jerk, you know, thinking back on the times when I've done that. You know, but also it also came from within myself of really not understanding the game and how it works. You know, like like you do things like you do in the beginning where you like don't want you, you want to get your aces. You want to make sure you're going to get all the money in. You like make some like teeny little raise with them, you know, and you're 30 big blinds deep or whatever. And you just and you just like constantly allow give somebody the right odds and they end up hitting two pair and like and you're pissed, you know, and you're whatever. But like this is like that's how poker works, you know, and you don't but you don't realize it in the beginning. And it's, I try to remember those times that I've done those things so that when somebody else acts that way, you recognize that they're coming from a place really of just not understanding how the game works, you know? And, you know, there were times that I really thought people were doing stuff that was just stupid. And some of it was, we didn't know how the game worked, you know, as the game evolved. And like, there was a lot of stuff that we used to think people were total donkeys, you know? And it turns out like, they may not have known they were doing it correctly when they were doing it, but they were like spot on, you know, like we've seen that kind of come full circle now, you know, where you're like, you know, Oh, you know, they're, you know, limping here or there and stuff like that. And you're like, me, me. you know, sometimes that can be, you know, okay. Or, you know, this guy min raised off 12 big lines. You're like, yeah, that's the thing, you know? And uh, just all this stuff. It's like, the donkeys have come full circle and yeah. they were right all along, it turns out. All right. So. Well, we've probably kept you long enough here. Um, does anyone have any further questions for Laura? No. Nope. I look forward to meeting you one day in person. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. I've got to get up your guys' way. Yeah. For sure. We'll be in Let Vegas us- for sure in the summertime. So great. That'll be fun to meet up. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we'll keep in touch for that. Um, so I'd like to thank you for coming on here. Thank uh, you for having and- me being such a great role model for women as well um, to do well and strive for the best in the game. So, well, absolutely. If if I can help somebody and they want to hit me up, um, feel free. All right. And where can people reach you? All right. I'm on Twitter at, uh, I think I'm at Eisen008 on Twitter. Maybe Eisen009. I have to look and see. Um, 008. 008. Okay. And um, so that's probably the best way. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. Good night. Thanks. Nice meeting you guys. Nice meeting you, Elizabeth. All right, we're back. It was a that was a good one. I I think that was probably one of our best ever. I mean, from just me and John. I mean, I think we're I think we're killing it right now. Yeah, I think you know we've been done everything perfectly. So let's keep it short. Get it over with quickly to make keep that (laughs) uh, stack alive. Yeah, exactly. We got a we got a chip and a share right now, so we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna ruin it. That's for sure. So we can't make fun of Jim anymore for for doing it every single week. It's not as easy as it looks. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So like I say, that was a great uh, a great interview. Definitely worth a listen. I'm excited to listen to it again. Um, and Laura actually did my Marek Madness commentary, which I unfortunately lost. Uh, but uh, yeah. So, uh, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on in Rec Poker Home Game Land? So, this was our first week that we actually had fewer home games. So, there will no longer be home games on um, Thursday evenings, Friday evenings, or Saturday evenings. And some of the other home games have switched around. So, Wednesdays, the first two Wednesdays of the month are going to be our championship series. And then the remaining Wednesdays of the month will be our mixed practice game series. So we're still having lots of home games for everyone, just not quite as many as we did before. So 
make sure you take that time, make use of it, and go join more of the rec poker study clubs or just go out and have some fun, whatever the case may be. Go play some live uh, poker. And now for the um, games. First, we have Squidge 2222, also known as KKK8. Uh, Kate Ibbinson got her third nightly victory for the year. Woodworker151 got his first nightly victory for the year, and that's also his or her first victory ever for the uh, home game. Nice. Congratulations. Love seeing the new members um, getting that first win on the board for sure, so that's awesome. Absolutely. Then we have Spot Conlin. Daniel Kennedy got his third nightly victory for the year. And then on August 31st, the next day, Spot Conlin, Daniel Kennedy, got his fourth nightly victory for the year. Ooh, that's some run good. Nice. Love seeing that. Yeah, and he actually has a theory that – because then the next day was September 1st, which there was no home game. And he thinks that we did that purposefully just to cool him (laughs) off. And no, that wasn't on purpose. That was just a lucky side effect. Um. Next, we have Elvis76, Steve Kreps, got his first daily mixed victory for the year. Nice. Jaden Jewell, Mary McCune, got her second international victory for the year. K-Poker wannabe, Ron Payton, got his first international victory for the year. And then Isma got his or her th- second LPP event. So Ooh. he or her can contact info at rec.poker for the free month at Learn Pro Poker. Yeah, that's an awesome value right there. I mean, um, that Learn Pro Poker membership is definitely worth getting in on Sunday nights and battling for. So love seeing all those winners in the home game. And on Saturdays, I'll just throw in my own plug. Um, Saturdays, if you're playing in the internationals, be sure to jump in. I'm always giving away a free month, whether it's in the morning or in the evenings. I've been playing the evening one a little bit more lately, but either way, I always try and give away a free month of Rec Poker Premium membership. If you if you can knock me out, it's pretty easy to do. Trust me, lots of people have done it. So it's really not that hard. So if you want to get a free month of Rec Poker just to check things out, Jump in the free home games. There's there's value to be had there as well, and I appreciate the support um, in the uh, stream as well. BJM and ninety six on Twitch. So I I don't know, John. Should we do a giveaway? I'm not sure if we have. Do we have a few people? Um, if we want to, I should. I guess I should have said it earlier, but <laughs> I don't know. We've got okay. According to the dashboard, we have four people uh, viewing right now. No one has made any comments in chat. Because I mean, we aren't as friendly as well. Jimmy, I mean, so that makes yeah. Sense. People are a little bashful when you know we've got two real killers on the stream. I guess, or <laughs> <laughs> but I have a feeling uh, two of those are us. But there might be no Charles Allison. Allen is one. He said hey. no, he hasn't typed food bank though. Ah, uh, that's, that's what. See, he could be the necessary. he could be an easy winner. I mean, one 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 person dice roll. You know what's going to happen? We're going to roll one, so we need at least two people in there to avoid the one roll. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, but yeah, it's okay. Now, poker wannabe. Hey, yep. <laughs> we're getting a few. Uh, K poker wannabe. Actually, we we've battled quite a bit in the home games lately. We had two heads up uh, battles, so. That was super fun. I enjoyed playing with him. Well, Kate Poker Wannabe's been on a little bit of a run lately, and been yeah, they they well. have yeah yeah. I've seen him. I've seen him in the circles, more final tables, more and more. I mean, I don't play as many home games as some other people, like Evil Roy and stuff like that. So <laughs> we just mentioned him because he's got the sixty wins. But hey, we're getting a couple more in there now, so we may as well do. Um, do you have a do you have a six sider or something right there I with will. you? I do not, but I will go to random.org. Hey, there we go. And we This is like my stream. We just do stuff on the fly. <laughs> integer generator. I want to generate one integer value between one and three. The number it, I got was a three. Was a three. That's Luke O in the All chat. Right. And so... Um, Luke can contact info at rec.poker to get a uh, free premium month, rec.poker, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, And if they're already a premium member, I'm pretty sure we can put some stuff towards coaching. Um, 
and some other cool stuff that we have going on at Rec Poker. So definitely send that email along and we'll get you uh, we'll get you squared away. So Luco was just contemplating if the reduced home games, the reduced number of home games will be negative or positive for the bankroll. And oh, interesting. That is kind of interesting because I find if there are when there are so many, I definitely join and do not always play my best. Mm. You know, there are nights where I'm just kind of firing and right. I might not be doing all that well. But so maybe having few will allow you to focus better. Um, although if it's kind of random on whether or not you'll be focused and not related to how many we have, then maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they're a little bit later for me where I'm on Atlantic Standard Time, the only time zone that matters, the really only time zone that matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're a, little, they're a little later for me, so I try and stick to the internationals. Those are, my, those are kind of my bread and butter tournaments, um, if you were. So, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it's kind of, an, like you say, it's interesting. I'm curious to see if we see, you know, more new winners coming in maybe where there's, you know, less tournaments and there's, you know, we got to, you know, people have to really focus on those nights to make sure that they get in and stuff like that. So uh, maybe we'll see some bigger field sizes too, which would be exciting. So I don't know. There's, there's definitely upsides to it for sure. So awesome. Is there anything else, John, that you think we're missing or think we missed? I think we did all right, actually. I think we're doing okay. Just remember, on September 16th, I believe, let me make... Oh, heads up. It's going yes. to be the heads up event. So it is out there. There is no late registration because it's a shootout. So you have to be there on time to play it. And the winner of that will be automatically entered into Marek Madness next year. Awesome. Yeah, no, I almost forgot about that. That was on my hit list as well. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that. I'll be streaming that as well. And hopefully I don't lose to quads again, like I seem to lose to every single time I play. <laughs> um, yeah, great. Um, I appreciate everybody in the chat for hanging out. It was good to see everybody. I'll just make a quick check here. Make sure there was no other questions or anything. Um, appreciate everyone there. We're live, like I say, 730 Eastern time. We'll be back again tomorrow or tomorrow. <laughs> I think it's a stream. We'll be back again uh, next Monday and we'll catch you guys then. Um, thanks for our sponsors, the Running Ace, Aces Racetrack and Casino. And yeah, all you guys in the chat, the Wrecking Crew. See you guys later.